Welcome to part four of the Green Dragons coverage of There and Back Again. I'm Jeremy. And I'm David. This time we're going to talk about the appendix first of all. We're going to go through the appendix scenarios. We've got a few profiles in there that we're going to go through. And once again, scenarios, we'll probably end up talking quite a bit about them. But then we've got something we're very excited about, the linked campaign. Yes, linking all 30-something scenarios together into one giant campaign. 37, I believe it is, all together. So once you add in the ones from the original Hobbit hardback rulebook to the 30 scenarios provided in the, the There and Back Again, you've got a campaign that's going to take a long time to play. It's going to take a long time to paint. It's going to cost you all your money to get the models and the terrain. But man, it's going to be epic when we do that. And you know what, David? I'm really keen at some point to run a Green Dragon event where we just sort of play through these somehow. Get as many of them done as we can. Yeah, I can't. Maybe it's just going to be at my house. But maybe I'll do it at a local game store or something like that and invite people over to it because I cannot wait to do this campaign. There's so much stuff I like about this book, but the campaign I'm just so excited about. It's just such a clever way of, of linking things. So... First of all, we'll go into the appendix, and then we'll have a break, and then we'll get into the campaign. Okay, David, so it is appendix time. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a massive fan of the appendixes in the whole Lord of the Rings in the Hobbit series. What about you? Oh, yes. There's some good stuff, you know, tucked away in there. So, like, the Return of the King appendix, well, there were some fantastic stories in that. Some some absolute rubbish where it's just date after date after date. And, yep. and like, I remember the, the list of kings where it's just... Yeah. This person followed this person, followed by this person, followed by this person. And what's person. annoying is every now and then they tuck something good in there as well. So it's just like, ugh, you don't I've got want to, to actually it. read this. Yeah, you Because there might be something good hidden in it. This appendix is definitely has something good in it as well. Oh, yes. I'm liking what I see here. Scenario one The Desolation of Smaug, part one. The Ruin of Dale. So we've already had a Smaug scenario early in the book. This is our second Smaug scenario. The Ruin of Dale, let me guess, it's set in Dale? Correct. I, I cannot wait to make my Dale. I really wanted the whole Mediterranean look to it. This scene where they're firing the Windlands at Smaug was fantastic. Is there a Windlands? There is a Windlands. There yes. is a Windlands. Is the Windlands manned by Girion? Almost. Almost. He's working on it. He's working on it. He's getting to it? He's getting to it, yes. I've made a, a Windlands model. I'm so happy I did this. That is separate. So you can have it with no crew. It's got a little attachment. You can put Geary on it or you can put Bard on it. So I'm loving that I can throw this down in the scenario and use it. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. So the layout, you've got Dale. In the very middle of Dale, there is a tower. Uh, top the tower, there is a wind lance. And pretty much your warriors of Dale start spread out all over the place. Smile comes on one board edge. You've got Geary on the other. And as the good player, you have Geary. You have two captains. You have 30 men of Dale. As the evil player, you have Smaug the Magnificent. Uh, good luck if you're the good player. Uh, so let me guess. All 30 of those men of Dale have bows? 
It doesn't say, so uh, quite possibly. I'm going to play this scenario. How many Minidale come in a box? David, do you remember? I've got no idea. It's actually 10. Okay. 10 in a box. So you buy three boxes. So you get three with shield. Yep. You get four with spear. Yep. You get three with bow. Yeah. I think. I'm pretty sure that's the number. I could be wrong on that. It might be one more bowman, but I'm pretty sure it's more spearmen. It's 30 of them, isn't it? 30 of them in scenario. So I'm just doing exactly the contents of three boxes. Yeah. I think the, that's a the fair The picture way of shows it. a reasonable mix of equipment. So Yeah, no, that's that's my recommendation for anyone doing that. I wish they would have given the equipment, but 30 sounds like just state three boxes. Should also notice, Gurion has got a significant profile update. He does, he does. Do you want to talk about it now? I'm happy to talk about yeah, it Yeah, we'll skip to Gurion. Let's go to Gurion. Now, Gurion before was a bit of a disappointment. This is the guy who had... a benefit when shooting at flying models i believe but didn't have any missile weapon correct yep now he's got a missile weapon he has a missile weapon yes he possibly yeah. one of the best ones in the game he starts bow. with heavy armor and a sword you yep. combine the great bow the great bow so strength four bow yep good love it five love points it. straight Done. out and he's also got the option of the wind lance yeah wind lance yep uh, wind lance wind lance gets a lot of rubbish for, for people play points match games mm-hmm. because it is a a, a big piece of artillery and artillery is pretty much for sieges it's not necessarily for games that's designed to threaten smaug yes that, that's its design but it's not the most reliable way of doing that and you're not always fighting smaug so in a standard points match game oftentimes you don't have a target that's worth shooting mm-hmm. so it becomes a real point sink so the windlands did that have the pierce through sort of knockback or was that the i I can't remember exactly. I think it, it may, but it's like a bolt thrower, but I can't remember exactly that. What I remember is that when you use the great arrow, you got to reduce the scatter and things. So yep, the, uh, so um, the, the, the black, black arrow. arrow. Yeah, that was the one you used. But I preferred... I, I played the Windlands in the tournament with, with Bard. Yeah. And I much preferred just Bowman Bard. He yes. was way better. Girion is Windlands trained, so his Windlands follows all the rules for Bard's Windlands. Unfortunately, yep. the Black Arrow was not a Windlands special rule. It was a Bard special rule. Yeah. Unless you're playing the scenario. Yep. No, and that's fair enough. So, in a, in a Windlands in a generic game, basically the main advantage of it is you've got just phenomenal range. Yes. Because Girion didn't carry these things around with them with him. They're big, they're heavy. Bard, yeah. even if he doesn't have a Windlands, has a Black Arrow for some reason. Well, we had whole scenarios about getting him the Black Arrow. Like, there's yes. actually a cool story behind that. Mm-hmm. So you've got Girion profile quite usable now. Yep. He's got rapid fire to show that, you know, he's, um, what's his name? Bard is a descendant of Girion, so they both got rapid fire. Yeah, nice. So if he hits somebody, he gets to shoot again. I think most of the time, Girion's walking around with a great bow, quite frankly. I think the, the wind lance, you take it if you want to, but you realize that you're probably not going to get your value out of it for... For five out of six games, one out of six games, you might knock down a, a troll or something nasty. Yeah, foul beast or... A yeah, something... Yeah, foul beast is fun for it. Because you do have might. So you... You've, you've got, got three of them. Yeah, you've got the ability to knock out something big if you're lucky, but still you have to hit it. When it does, it's spectacular, but it doesn't happen very often. It's not reliable. Yeah. Otherwise, his fight five, his two attacks, his three might. He's good value. He's a good value profile. Absolutely. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, The main changes to his minions is that they have picked up the option of elf bow rather than bow. Mm. Which, it gives them their own personal flavour, I think. They're not just Numenor without, you know, heroes. I love that they've got something different. I hate that they don't have a banner option. Yes. This, because we're in the end of the appendix. We're at the pretty much the very end of the book. There's only the references to go. And when I was flicking through, I'm like, this is good, this is good, this is good. I got to this. Pretty much the last page, I went, oh, they didn't give them a banner. The world. Yeah. Wow, what were you thinking? Ah, like, 
to be honest, they're fight for. Yes. So a fight for force with a banner is usable. Yes. That's that's all it needs to be usable. You've got enough to win games. Mm-hmm. The elf bows are a nice addition. Without the banner, it's going to be tough to play them as a pure force. Of course, you could ally. However, if you turn the page, it turns out, no, you do not wish to ally these oh, guys. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the army list later. Basically, that will be our army list episode or, or segment. Maybe mm. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. It might yes. be this episode. But I don't mind the changes to them. I just I hope, hope, hope Jay or Adam or whoever else is designing rules, if you're listening, a banner, a banner. Six letters. Did you did you run out of text? They're out of ink. On? You yeah. know they couldn't afford the black. It's no more know. ink. We can't do it. I've made the banner. Mo- I've got two banner models. I love them. Likewise, yeah, I haven't I, painted mine, but and, and the old way we used to use them was to ally just a Numenorian warband in. Yes, because they're exactly the same profile. So we'd just go these guys count as Numenorians. Yeah, yeah, and everyone look at us like we're idiots, but we weren't. Trust us, <laughs> we're very clever about that. Okay, so you got just disguised as warriors of Dale. So that scenario, read the designer's notes for that scenario, David. Let's go back to the, the Smaug scenario because this one, we, we straight out look at it okay. and go, how on earth are Dale going to take down Smaug? Okay. Um, I'll just cover the how to play. Um, fire and death. Smaug, when he breathes fire at a building, there's a chance it collapses. There's actually a pretty good chance. On three plus, the building is gone. Yeah, even I could roll that sometimes. Uh, black arrows, you've got D6 plus one of them stacked up with the windlands. <laughs> Since you start off with untrained crew up there, you might want to save them until Girion arrives. So that means that whenever we play, we've got two black yes. arrows. <laughs> if you have seven, then maybe you want to give one or two to your untrained crew and just see what happens. Because you re-roll the hit, yeah, so it becomes yeah, sixes yeah. to hit, re-roll it. Because Girion's not going to be able to use seven. Once Girion gets up there, Smile breathes fire at him, so he'll only get off two or three. I think. I, look, I honestly think that if you get like five plus them, Mm-hmm. I would I would have a go with the untrained crew because yes. you're looking at a roughly one in three chance of hitting with the reroll, and that's mm-hmm. not too bad. Unfortunately, uh, Smaug has not yet been shot with black arrows, so he doesn't have the loose scale special, the missing scale special rule. Uh, what was that again? I totally that's forgot. when he takes a hit from shooting. If you hit him on a six, you've hit the loose scale. So if you do wound him, he suffers the amount of wounds equal to the strength of the weapon which they've got elf bows. They could have done three, three oh, wounds. Oh, that's big. I think what would be really cool, they don't have it, but if he got hit by the wind lance, if it loosed the scale, that if would you be hit really but good. did not wound with the wind lance. Yeah, did not wound. I like that. I like that did not wound. Because you still do 10 wounds, don't you, if you wound with the wind lance? Yes, because it's an auto kill, but he's got 20 wounds. But he's got 20 wounds, so you so take it half does the half. Yes. So th- it's still a massive amount. So if you hit but didn't wound, could like... Knock one loose. Is it half the remaining wounds? I think it is, isn't it, the wound lance? The I think siege. it's just half, because otherwise it would be impossible to kill somebody with a siege engine. Well, unless you have an acceptable margin of error, isn't it? Yes, when you get down to, and then it rounds up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, you I'm, have one wound, I do half. I'm, I'm claiming that rounds up. So if Smile gets hit by a siege engine, siege engines cause instant death. Smaug, however, is, well, he's pretty tough. So he cares not for this instant death. He suffers half his wounds characteristics rounding up. So in this case, he takes 10 wounds. He's got 10 left. Hit him a second time, though, and you've finished him. Yeah, because it's half his characteristic, not half his remaining wounds. So this Correct. is the one that, yeah, two hits from a wind lance. So honestly, if you've got a bunch of black arrows, you're definitely going at him with it. Like, the chance to take off yeah. 10 wounds is massive. However, you remember you've got Dale guys scattered everywhere. So I think Smaug's going to be hiding in combat. But if he is, he's not breathing fire at your buildings. 
So that's true. He breathes fire into your building, blows up the building. If anybody survives the explosion, he goes in and munches them. Yeah, like once again, yeah, the safest way to be is to be in combat. Now, isn't he a big enough target that you could go at him? I thought that was a scenario special rule. Oh, that may be a scenario special rule, yeah. Which I don't think was in this one. I'll double check. No, probably not. No, he blows up buildings. There aren't all that many black arrows. He's still well armoured. However, the objectives are interesting. As a good player, you have to reduce Smile to five wounds. You don't have to kill him. You just have to wound him and hope the dwarves can finish him. As the evil player, you have to avoid getting so badly wounded. <laughs> so in yep. other words, kill them all. And the designers have tagged a little note onto this one. This scenario is brutally unfair for the men of Dale. As the good player, your duty is to try and stop the dragon. But there is a slim chance of that. Thankfully, there are a reason to do it. As much harm as possible too. For many long years later, the descendants of Girion and his people will thank the Lord of Dale for the wound he caused to Smog with his black arrows. For the evil player, this is all about securing a legacy. Wipe out the men of Dale, and surely none will return to avenge them. Yeah, this is what, like, I like that it says it's brutally unfair on the Dale player, because I feel like it's brutally unfair on the Dale player that they didn't allow banners in the actual profile. So, I think that's a fair... Uh, at least like, we've got an apology here. No, look, I like this because we know straight away that we expect Smaug to win. We might win a couple times of good every once in a while, but overall, Smaug's going to have his weight, which is great. Also says, if you do manage to kill the dragon, you gain the title of Dragon Slayer to the end of your days. It's particularly tricky because the game ends when it gets down to five wounds. So in that last turn, you have to really yeah. play the beat down. Yeah, that's, good. that's a good title to have. I wouldn't mind that. Now, this means that I need to make a third Smaug base. Yes, a, a smog on Dale base. A smog on Dale base. I haven't attached my smog to his base, so I've got to make a smog. I've got the smog inside the treasure. I've got to make a smog on Lake Town base. Now I need to make a smog on Dale base. That should be fun. Correct. Now, what's the next one? Next one. Appendix scenario two: the desolation of smog, part two. Part two. The fall of Erebor. Don't tell me this is another smog scenario. Indeed, which means you'll need yet another smog base. <laughs> what, what terrain do I have on this one? Um, you've got six rather large pillars. You've got... That looks to be about it. No, I'm inside Erebor now, aren't I? Yeah, you're inside Erebor. So you've just smashed through the gates and you're stomping on dwarves. So you, you know need what? a whole lot of dead dwarves you know on your what? base. I'm going to keep the gold for this one. He hasn't got to the gold yet. Oh, fine. I'll make a new base. Okay. Why not? And a shattered gateway. Very important. Shattered gateway. So who's playing against Smog this time? You've got young Thor and Oakenshield. Young Baal and the Dwarf. Ooh. Young Dwal and the Dwarf. Ooh. You've got Thor, you have Thrain, and you have 24 Warriors of Erebor and 24 Grim Hammers. 24 Grim Hammers. So good. Uh, this is great. This is great. So you've got basically the Dwarves getting beaten down and trying to survive against Smaug early on. Pretty much. Uh, the objectives, the evil player wins if Smaug exits the opposite board edge or he kills Thor and Thrain and Thorin. The good player win, they have to keep Thor, Thrain, and Thorin alive and kill a dragon. <laughs> wow. Just one. Just one dragon. Okay, that's all right. Just one. However, there are a couple of special rules that are kind of impeding them. Firstly, Calamitous Arrival. When Smaug arrives, he smashes down the gates and throws bits of, you know, gate at the Dwarven army. Roller dice. Standard D6. This is the number of trebuchet shots the evil player gets. Before the game begins. No, not bad. Oh, start of the first move play phase. And the evil player gets to deploy the dwarves. So they can make sure they're in these nice, tight little bundles where you get hit by trebuchets. So how many trebuchet shots can you get? D6 of them. Now that's against who? which player gets to use it? 
evil player gets to use them. So straight away I thought, oh, Trevor Save Shots, that's going to kill Smog really well. Only if Smog targets dwarves close enough to him that they can scatter back yeah, onto him. not happening. Not happening. No, so that's, that's such a tease as well. So yes, if you bribe your evil player with large amounts of cash, maybe. But otherwise, no. <laughs> He's going to deploy your dwarves in nice little bundles. They're going to... You know if you're evil, you get one trebuchet. You know if they're evil, they get six yeah. trebuchets. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm so happy that there's three smog scenarios in this book because it's such an important model that you've got some options in different locations. You get to fight some different battles with it. It's really good. And this one's not the shooty one. It's it's a combat one, basically. Indeed. It's a breakthrough. So you're trying to cross the board and there's all these dwarves trying to stop you. There is a, another special rule, save the king. Thror is busy sort of, you know, waving his hands in the air and going, ah, my Arkenstone. My Arkenstone. Thor may not do anything except fight to protect himself until he is roused into action. To do this, Thrain, Thorin, Dwalin, or Balin must be in base contact with Thor at the end of the turn. Roll a d6 for each hero. Make no the result. When the total reaches 20, they have managed to slap some sense into Thor. So, there's this giant <laughs> dragon, which you're trying to kill, yep. but you have to get all of your heroes to go find your other hero. And just, yeah, you know, yeah. This is, you this might is just tricky. go, you know what, forget him. You might, you might. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's still tempting. <laughs> yes. Now, we heard about young Balin, young Dwalin, young Killian. No, 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 not those ones. Young Thorin. Killy is young through. already. These models are already released. Yes. But they are now have their own profile. Okay. Would you like to take us through what we're I looking at? I love telling the difference here. So straight away, let's go the young ones first. And we'll talk about Thor and Thrain very soon. So the young Thor and Oaken Shield looks to me to be pretty much the same as before. But it's got an additional rule. To arms. With a rallying cry, Thorin sounded the charge that led to his kin to fight with redoubled fury. Once per game when moving young Thor and Oaken Shield, the controlling player, which is the good player, may declare to arms at the start of the following fight phase. All dwarves within three inches increase their strength by one for the phase. I like it. Once per game, plus one strength. Pretty good. I like it. You can buy him the Oaken Shield, so that's the same thing. If he shields, he can do one attack. That's not bad. Profile looks pretty the same. He doesn't have the option for Orcrist, which is good. Because he's young. He's young. It's not about that. So you get a separate profile. Looks pretty similar across the board, except that little bonus to arms, which is really nice. Something different. And this is the one that's going to obviously lead your Erebor Dwarves and your Grim Hammers. Then you have the young Balin, which 55 points. Looks pretty similar to the other Balin, except for Strength 4. Strength 4. So he, he's, so he's, he's, he's been to the gym. He's muscled up. He, he hasn't let it go to fat yet. He's... Yep. He's ready. Strength four. And he's got the two attacks as well. So he's... he's okay. the, the, the company one, I think, has only got one attack. Okay. Whereas the, the one in the full Champions of Erebor armor has got two attacks. So he's a, basically a middle profile between the two of them. So there's Balan of the company. There's Balan, Champion of Erebor. Yep. There's Young Balan. And there's Balan, Lord of Moria. Yes. Got yes. it. This one's probably closer to the Lord of Moria, which is interesting because it's totally different timing. But... Yeah, he, he's got the two attacks. He's got the, the strength four. Strength four. I wonder if it's a, an issue to have them different strengths. I'm not sure. Who knows? Young Dwalin. Young Dwalin the Dwarf. This one, basically, on the model, you've just got axes. And that's what he's got. He doesn't have a two-handed axe. He's got hand weapon axes. He's fearless. Same as before. <laughs> he doesn't get the penalty for two-handed axes that he doesn't have. 
in Which case the... you're playing with by, uh, stealing equipment so he could yeah, you know, grab can... somebody's two-handed axe. Yeah, I guess that. But he does have Dwarven Fury. So he will, before rolling a duel, Young Bal and the Dwarf may choose to reduce his fight value by D3. So before a duel, reduce your fight value by D3, basically fainting. Okay. Then if he does this, he may re- re-roll all failed to wound rolls in the following fight. I like it. So it's a big feint. So I that, like it. that's actually a legitimate option over the pierce. Mm-hmm. Because straight away, if you're fighting with a friend, you probably don't need to fight five. You can probably just throw that down. And that's basically Especially like... Especially if you're fighting something big. Yeah. So you've got... Oh, massive. It's got the base size where you can fit multiple heroes into it. Then you're not using your fight value anyway. Just re-roll to wound. Use three attacks, yes? Yeah, he's three attacks. So, yeah, you, you go that. Feel free to plug it into my, my wounding calculator that I've got on my, my spreadsheet at the moment to see the difference there. It's re-rolling all. It's fantastic. That's one of the best things you can do for wounding. Re-rolling all. The, essentially the Bane of Kings, yeah. um, Shelob Poison type rule. Hasharan, Shelob, Spider Queen. These are powerful models. People talk about how powerful they are. Yes. You now have another one. Yes, young dwell on the dwell. I just love so much that these pro- these models have their own profile. There's Was a he reason. the one with the mohawk? Yes. Okay, got yes, it. Yes, yes. Now we have Thor and Thrain, which I- I'm going to be honest here. I'm probably not going to spot the differences straight away, except except that there was a misprint when these first came out. A misprint, Th- you say? A misprint, I say. Thor and Thrain both had listed two-handed hammers. Okay. In the original profile. Now, Thor... He's now got heavy armor, sword, and shield. So no two-handed hammer. No two-handed hammer. He doesn't have it on the model. He's defense nine. Very nasty. So so high, high. This is good. So he's, he's up got there the with shield. like Dane and that lot. Yeah, basically, for 120 points, he, he is your your um, your old Dane equivalent one. Not not the new one. Yeah, the other Dane. The old one. Yeah, he basically replaces that. He's got the, the Arkenstone. So fate rolls on a three plus. And if you, you roll, roll a four, four plus... plus no, no fate at all. Yep. You see people roll the three and like, do I use mud on this or not? Hmm. I think you might. Yeah. Or when they roll the two and they're like, how much might do you wish to use? Now, this looks like the best rule ever, but he's only got one fate. Yes. So, it depends. How lucky are you feeling? Yeah, that's right. You could It could last forever or it could last not very long at all. And he's fearless. Fearless is fantastic. So, his courage of six, which is pretty good, becomes... Not relevant. So he, yeah. he's a very strong dwarf hero. Thrain as well got a great profile. The three attacks, same as Thor. Thor does. Three, three, three. So he doesn't have any of the weaknesses in those ones. He gets very specific rules. Because Azog slew Thor, he gets to reroll all failed close combat to wound rolls against Azog and any uh, any model in the same army as Azog. Okay. So if Azog shows up, he's like, no, that that's it. That's Finish it. this. Yeah, so it's pretty much going to be a scenario rule and very occasionally in a tournament, it's mm-hmm. not going to be reliable to pull that off. He's got fantastic standfasts. So he's standfasts. Every friendly dwarf on the battlefield is automatically affected. So battlefield-wide standfasts. Yeah. Which and he's fearless. Yeah. yeah. Or was uh, that the other guy? No, no, that's the other one. Okay, yeah, that's the good. other one. No, no, not him. But you still have to see him. Okay, yep. So he's, it's a battle wild stand fast, but it follows all the normal rules. So you need to be able to see him, and he's a dwarf, so he may be hidden. Yeah. But if you can see him, you've passed your So you want to model him up on stilts or something to oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> draw luckily, arrow fire. Luckily, mine's on a massive rock. Yes. <laughs> no, th- this Draws is arrow fire, but boosts stand fast. And I feel like 
I don't know. When I first saw these dwarf heroes in the old one, I didn't think they were great for their points. But mm. now looking at them for 120 points each, I actually, I would take them. They seem solid. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just... I think the problem is dwarves have some very good value heroes. So yeah, I, if I, somebody's about right, you kind of don't end up taking them. Yeah, that's probably it. It's probably, yeah, fair cost is not good enough. So now we're going to move on to Appendix Scenario 3. And we finally get to our Dimeril Dale, which was first shown in our original Desolation of Smile book. So, Battle of Dimmeldale, part one, the death of the king. Part one, the death of the king. Now, for those who don't know, the original Dimmeldale scenario started really big and got smaller and smaller and more focused as we went. Yes, as you lost troops as you went. But the problem with the old Dimmeldale scenario was that they were basically points matches. You didn't get participants, which the Green Dragon podcast does not like scenarios that we have to go and make army lists for. We prefer to have, just give us the models you used when you're playtesting mm-hmm. the scenario. It stops people going, I wonder how this would work if I took all troll brutes or whatever. Well, it means that people might say, okay, every single one of my dwarf warriors has this weapon combination, yeah. which gets a bit silly occasionally. Mm-hmm. So who's our participants? Participants. We have Thrall. We have Thrain. We have young Thor and the Dwarf. Young Balin, young Dwalin. 36 Erebor Dwarves and 36 Grim Hammers. Whoa. 36 Grim Hammers. So that is 72 Dwarf Warriors. Now... That's a lot of dwarves. For those who don't know me, I am the world's biggest fan of Grim Hammers. The biggest fan. The biggest. The biggest you fan. You have the t-shirt and everything. I, I, I've got the, the, the card-carrying membership of the Grim Hammers fan club. This is my, my biggest victory ever in a tournament came by taking an army that was the vast majority Grim Hammers. Like they, they, I think they're fantastic. I love this, the models. Does this include like Grim Bayorn and like Grimbold from no. Grim Slade or like? No, it was Dwalin, but yep. I used the young Dwalin model. So Grim Dwalin. Grim Dwalin, two Grim Hammer captains. Yep. Thirty Grim Hammers. One of them had a banner. Okay. And six Grim spears. So basically, these are warriors of Erebor with spear and shield. But they're Grim. Got it. But they're Grim. They'll convert it from Grim Hammers. I yeah. like it. I, I did need the, the handful of spears for it, but like, like I love that army. There's like a six fifty, I think it was. But, 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 having 36 Warriors of Erebor and 36 Grim Hammers, I'm actually going to have to go back and paint some more. Mm-hmm. So that that's a huge amount. What on the evil side could possibly take that on? You have Azog. You oh, have... Okay, he'll do it. The Keeper of the Dungeons, just in case any of those dwarves are carrying Elvish rings, he's on to this. <laughs> he was in the, the scene in the movie for it. And, uh, this is the old Bog model, the heavy metal Bog. I love it. Love that he's in this. You've got three Gundabad Orc captains, and you have 48 Gundabad Orcs. Whoa. They're not Legion this time. They are, however, a horde without end. So if an evil model is slain, except for Azog or the Keeper of the Dungeons, it can come back on. So that means even your captains can come back on if you get your rolls right. This is this is a massive scenario. This is going to take a long time to play. Oh, yeah, it's big. It's it's a 4x4 four four board. It's You start 12 inches on. You've got points where reinforcements arrive. It's it's a, big. A massive amount of models on a, on a medium-sized board. It's going to be cluttered. It's going to be fun. Good player wins if they can claim the gates of Moria. So that's 12 models within 6 inches of that gate at the end of any turn. Azog wins if, if Thor is slain. So pretty much as the good player, you've, you've got a formal wedge. You've got to punch through. You've got to protect Thor. So, special rules, long live the king, in a mission called Death of the King. Dwarves within three inches of Thor, count as though they are in range of a banner. And even though Thor is still alive at this point, 
no, since Thor is still alive, Thrain doesn't get his blood feud rule because he's still alive. Yeah, that, that makes entire sense. Now, you've got no banners in the actual participants, do yes. you? So this is so important. Which means you've got to keep Thor close to the fighting. So wherever the fighting is thickest, that's where you'll need Thor, but that's also where you can't afford to send him. So He's almost in the back row, I think. Like yes. y- You want... You but want him taking on a Gundabad Orca too. That's three inches, so he's got to be close to the action is the point. Yeah. You just don't want to take on Azog. That's the main thing. Yes. Like Azog will rip him apart. The Master of the Dungeons could have a, a good go at him. Keeper of the Dungeons, sorry. Yes. He's, he's carrying a Dwarven Ring, I believe, at this point. So, <laughs> I don't think he was. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we have the part two of the Dimrill Dale scenarios again. Thrain's Vengeance. So this is assuming you lost the first scenario and Thor went down. Yeah, which of course you would. You can't imagine going any other way. Okay, good participants. You have Thrain. You have a Grimhammer captain. You have 20 Grimhammers. So obviously a lot of your army got, you know, fairly savagely mauled in the you first You imagine one. they would have, yeah. It's cut down quite a bit. Evil, you have Azog. You've got the Keeper of the Dungeons again. And you've got 15 Gandabad Orcs. So this is significantly smaller. And I love the fact that it's all Grimhammers. So whoever wrote this... I think they wrote it specifically for me. Pure Grimhammer scenario. Sounds like fun. So no worries of Erebor. No worries of Erebor. They're gone. Just the Grimhammers. They're gone. Lovely. Objectives. The good player must kill Azog. The evil player must capture Thrain. Capture Thrain. If they kill him, it's a draw. They've got to capture him. Go capture him. To capture him, when he suffers his last wound, you in combat, you can declare that you're trying to knock him out. Uh, instead of rolling to wound, each player... Well, each model throws its dice. On a six, they've knocked him out, and he counts as affected by paralyzed. While he's paralyzed, you can carry him around. He's a heavy object. <laughs> Which means, of course, you could carry him around, and then he gets back up if he throws the six, and then, well, you've got a, you've got Thrain in your face again. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's fun when that happens. Okay, and for Vengeance, uh, all the good side gets the Blood Feud special rule. Yeah, so they've, they've really amped that up. So... In the original book, we had three Dimmeldale scenarios. We've got the first two now. What's our next scenario, David? Are we going another Dimmeldale scenario? The Battle for Dimmeldale, part three. Part three. The Oakenshield. Brilliant. So we do have three again. Now, with the Oakenshield, I assume we've got Thorin in this one. Yes, we have young Thorin Oakenshield, young Balin, young Dwalin. He's managed to rally the Warriors of Erebor, so we've got 24 of those guys. And we've also got 20 Grimhammers. They're hanging around from the last battle. Every one of them survived. That's good to know. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the Grimhammer captain did not. Oh, that's so a shame. Poor that's guy. A shame. Azog's still there. Keeper of the Dungeons is still there. Uh, the Gundabad Orc captain was one of them. And 30 Gundabad Orcs. Yes. Good, good, good. Which you've already got because you've already put together 48 of them. So that's all good. Good player wins if all the evil models are slain. The evil player wins if all the good models are slain. If Azog chooses to leave the board, then it is a draw. That orc was slain long ago. He died of his wounds. We cut off his hand and everything. He's definitely dead. Definitely dead. Yeah, yeah his hand's gone. Yes. Like, like, we saw his hand on the ground. I've got his hand in my hand. Yes. He must be dead. Yes, we recovered the body. Well, some of it. We've never encountered any guy called a necromancer that could possibly... Like, necromancer, what's that? Death... Death healer bringing back someone from the dead. That's what necromancers do. What do the woodsmen call this man? (laughs) (laughs) No, so interesting conditions there. Straight fight to the death. That should be fun. Okay, grievously wounded. If Azog the Defiler is reduced to his final wound, his fight value is halved. He's reduced to a single attack and he is considered unarmed. Yeah, so so that is pretty solidly dead. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that's his arm getting chopped off. Like what? He goes down to what? Fight three and a half. <laughs> round one up, attack. Of you yep. know. It doesn't actually specify which way it rounds. You always round up. If it's okay. a half, you round Unless up. Unless you go bat swamp. They're Got not it. doing bankers rounding. They're doing standard rounding. Okay, so ignore bat swamp. To the death. The dwarf army starts scenario broken. Mm. Not all is lost, however. See the next special rule. It's apparently quite important. Oh, let's see it. Beyond the count of grief. If young Thorin Oakenshield is alive, every dwarf on the table passes courage tests for their force being broken. Okay. Likewise, if Azog is alive, every evil model passes courage tests for their force being broken. Yeah, so you've got to kill the heroes before you kick in the, the rule there. I actually really like that. I think that's a nice thematic way of doing it. So you basically can't just pick off troop after troop and then get the heroes running away. The heroes don't care. Yeah. And finally... The Oakenshield. In every fight phase, if young Thorin Oakenshield wins his dual role, every other dwarf on the battlefield counts as if they were in range of a banner for the remainder of that fight phase. So which one are you which fight are you doing first? You send Thorin in, you win that duel. So if you, evil has priority, they'll just do his duel they'll last. Fight that duel last unless you heroic combat. Unless you heroic combat. That's right. So there's that's that's such a different rule that I've ever seen before. I like it. Mm-hmm. Kylie's probably come on and just tell us, oh, that was in version one in this one, but I don't oh, yes, remember Yes, yes, yes. If you put on the dark glasses and the infrared filters, and it was in a white dwarf, if you, you know. <laughs> Maybe it was, but I, I like that. I like that that idea. It, yeah, I don't like when they get rid of break rules altogether, but yes. this one, I think this is a good enough change right. to it. Like, oh, you start broken. What? However. However, you're not. Yes. Yeah, no, that, that means if you if you get Thorin stuck into the action early on and get him killed, you, mm-hmm. you, you're going to take some courage tests. And dwarves are good at courage tests, but not that good. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the appendix scenarios. End of the scenarios. No more scenarios in the book. It's mm-hmm. a sad day, David. Yes, What's that? Indeed. Only, only 30 of them in total. That's amazing. So good. And <laughs> five appendix scenarios, and they all look fun to play. And only one of them includes Dale. That's the problem. Yeah, well, we fight in Dale in the other ones, though. We do go. We fight in the ruins of Dale. Yes. But it's more than we had before. We didn't have any Dale before. This is a point. This and is we've a got point. the Dimril Dale. Yeah, that sort of counts. That's sort of a Dale. I know it's at the door of Moria, but it still sounds like Dale. So I'm, I'm looking forward to these. Now, we the profile for these dwarves, the Arab dwarves and the Grimhammer, are in the old rule book. So they didn't pop up in this one. So for this book, you need the, the old hardback rule book to be able to play all the scenarios. So that's why they are not there. We've talked about Gundabed Orcs quite a bit. The Gundabed Orcs now have the banner in their profile. It's the big difference. Also notice, you're fighting at the gates of Moria, and there is not one Moria goblin. No, but yeah. It's funny how the, the Orcs change. Yeah, that's just the inconsistencies in the Orc versus Goblin, isn't it? That's what it was in the prequel, in the, or not the prequel, in the, the start, the flashback scene in the, the movie. So that's what we use. Yep. Uh, the, turns out there was goblins there. They were just so short you couldn't see them behind the Gundabad orcs. Yeah, the the orcs in that scenario. I don't know if you remember it, but they looked a little bit more like hunter orcs than the Gundabad orcs at times. So we'll have to mix. rewatch the movie we, over and over and over again. Yeah, you're gonna have to find it on VHS. That's gonna be hard. Oh well. Final thoughts, conclusions. Yes, no, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look, th- these appendix scenarios look great fun. That's definitely the end of our appendix scenario segment. By now, if you're listening, you know that we love these. So we'll go into detail on the more scenario spotlights and we'll play through them and we'll look at the army list a bit better as well. We'll need to paint more Grim Hammers. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. I love those models. So if that's the end of that segment. Let's go take a break.
And we're back now. We're onto the campaign. Indeed, we are. So this is the thirty, well, the five appendix scenarios, the seven from the original hardcover rulebook, and all of the new ones now, ready to go. David, remind me of the original length game scenario campaign rules. Okay, the way this works: after you finish your game, for every hero that died, you roll to see if they're mostly dead or only partly dead, or if they're actually dead. Oh, nasty! So you throw a dice. On a roll of a one, you've incurred some funeral expenses. That guy is gone. Yeah. If you've killed one of your more important heroes, then you've just lost the campaign outright. Avoid doing that. Yeah, try not to do that. On a two or a three, they're sorely wounded. They gain their wound back, but they don't regenerate any other stats. Mm-hmm. So, unless they're a most audacious fellow. Yes. Yeah, they're the best kind of fellows. Finally, four plus. He's right. He's good. He gets a wound back. He gets to regen his stats. It's all good. So these are these are pretty swingy. So it means that you really need to avoid these rolls wherever possible. Yes. Try and avoid getting your heroes killed. Remuneration and so forth. This is how you regen stats. Yes. The good player gets to pick one of their heroes. And you have to be able to justify this by putting something in the game, which they did amazingly well. And you say, this guy is my most audacious fellow. Mm-hmm. He regens D6 stats. So you roll your dice. That's how many might, fate, will, wounds, whatever which you get back. Which is pretty solid, yes. Everybody else is a fellow conspirator. They regen D3, might, fate, will, wounds. So what it means is you're probably, if you're playing the campaign really well, you're probably getting one character where you're spending all their resources and the rest where you're spending just a little tiny bit if possible. Mm-hmm. Which would be the justification because he's the guy who pulled his weight. Oh, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense that way. So I, I actually quite like this rule. There is one more rule. More like a grocer than a burglar. The evil player gets to select one of your heroes and they have to be able to justify this by a particularly poor in-game showing and say that guy gets no stats back. He does not deserve to get his stats back. So who nominates this? This is the evil player, but he has to be able to justify his choice based on in-game performance. So he gets to say, Thorin, foul his courage test on the edge of the board. I'm sorry, but no, you're not getting any stats back. Yeah, this could really throw people off, can't it? So who nominates first? I'm, I'm saying... The In the order it's written, the good player nominates the most audacious fellow. Then you've got all your fellow conspirators. But then it comes up, but a single good hero nominated by the evil. Yeah. I think it's fair to nominate your audacious fellow first. Yes. And then the evil player nominates the, what was it called? The More more like a grocer than the a More like the grocer. I think that's the way to do it. I so here's, you're in Goblin Town and a guy fails his jump test to leap from one platform yeah. to the other. Just like, no, he's gone. I think it's, it's you know, the heroic combat that you go down, you stack it to your weight, you put your four heroes in, you have them trapped, you go for it, you call it, and you one pip of die off it, including yep. your might, and a single goblin beats you and means you can't make it to the end of the scenario. And that, you're just like, him, that guy, yep. yeah. Now, David, some of the scenarios you can actually, models don't necessarily count as casualties at the end game conditions. Some of you meet the end game conditions and there's models that haven't died. You wouldn't roll for the death on them, would you? Not unless they're actually dead. Actually slain. So, so if they've got no wounds left, yeah. then you roll for them. So if they failed a courage test and fled the battlefield, you probably would. But most of... Because that counts as a casualty. When they're slain in a game. So failed courage test counts yeah, yeah, as slain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So this is, this is the scenarios on hard mode. Yes. Because some of those scenarios were hard. If you're going in with less stats than normal, that's very difficult. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be honest. Some of them... In the Hobbit rulebook, we've played through all the Hobbit ones. We haven't played through all the there and back ones. We haven't played through any of them, really. Some of them were actually pretty easy. Yes. Like the troll one, for example, you can do with minimal stats. Yes. Which, in the part of a campaign, makes so much sense. 
It's like the old Eastgate. Made no sense unless you're playing as part of the campaign. Yeah, you, basically the job was to lose a couple of dwarves. So this one, the job of the first couple of scenarios is just to lose some stats, perhaps. Uh-huh. It's like, um, you remember the old Fallen Necromancer campaign? The evil force varied depending on whether or not you're playing as a campaign or not. Yes. Yeah, it certainly did. So playing the campaign, this is this is might be might be enough to run the campaign, just the regen of stats. But honestly, it's probably not enough to keep my interest. So what we want to do is go through some of the additional rules for the campaign. And let's start with the appendix. We've just talked about the appendix this episode. Let's start with the appendix, David. Okay, the appendix. Scenario one, the ruin of Dale. The ruin of Dale. Good We're talking vi- about this. Good victory. So this means good, the good player has managed to take 15 wounds off Smarg. Potentially kill Smarg. Oh, I'm going to do this easy. Don't worry about it. If you get a good victory, then Smog starts with 15 wounds when you play Fire and Water. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's That's a fair while good. later. He's managed to heal up. He's yeah. recovered the loss of his head. And, but five you know. extra wounds of Smog is nothing to... Yeah, so... That's it, good. It's a notable, notable benefit. And the, the nice thing about this one is your heroes, who cares about them at this point? Because yeah. they're not in the next scenario. Yes. So you don't care about the audacious fellow. Mm-hmm. What and about you, the Smog wounds? Bet, is it only good players that have to roll for... So you can't kill permakill Azog. Why wouldn't the evil players roll for the their heroes? Ooh, so you could actually kill Smog and he stays dead. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. That's, I, I, that's one way to win. <laughs> yeah. Permakill yeah. Smog, scenario one. Okay. Now, uh, if the evil player wins without getting permakilled, then they may add one to the number of boulders. So that's your free tribute shots when yep. you play yes. the Fall of Erebor. Which brings us to scenario two, yeah. the now, fall of Erebor. It's possible in these to get yeah conditions where you can't play the next scenario. So at that point... In which case, you improvise. You improvise. You either restart the campaign or you just say you can all come back from something minimal. Depending on what yeah. you do. I think you would just keep a tally board of the amount of times you managed to automatically win. And if you want, automatically yeah. won more times than the other person. Then I, I would be happy to do that and just like, say... Count it as three wins or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be happy to to do some redos and things like that. I think, yeah, I'm not sure how you play that. I think if you manage to permakill Smog in scenario one, you go, mission accomplished, you play some cool music, you, you walk around, you get the title of the Dragon Slayer. Yes, it's, and then you just restart your campaign. If it's yes, the first then you mission. play another campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So we've taken on Smog in the first one. Yep. Uh, assuming you failed to instant kill. Uh, second one, Fall of Erebor. So if... The good player manages to stop Smaug with while keeping his heroes alive. Yep. Then Thrall may re-roll failed rolls to wound against Azog when you play the Death of the King. If it's a draw, which I don't know how you draw that one, but if you manage to, then nothing happens. On an evil victory, Thrall may not use his Arkansas special rule in the Death of the King scenario because he didn't yeah. get time to find it. Didn't get time to find the Arkansas. So those are pretty minor rule tweaks. Like mm. These aren't game-breaking on their own, but they're enough to cause a bit of damage. Yeah, they're a little... They're just that little bump either way. They're my favourite kind of victories. We're the ones that you don't give up on the next scenario. Mm-hmm. So what's the next one? Death of the King. Death of the King. Good victory. That means you managed to see off Azog and his slot. Yep, yep. Azog's gone. Thrain may be set up to 12 inches from his board edge rather than 6 in Thrain's Vengeance scenario. So it gets a bit of a movement bonus. Mm-hmm. Draw, no advantage. Evil, Azog gets the same bonus that Thrain would have gotten. Yeah. So he starts, he starts further forward. Once again... Not a huge, like one turn of movement, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in Thrain's Vengeance, 
assuming the good player managed to see off Azog in his lot once again. <laughs> like, if you just kill Azog into the death of the king, it would be so much easier. But Yep, yep. Okay, good victory. The first heroic action that Thrawn uses does not reduce his store of might in the next scenario. Ooh. And this is the one where we agreed you'd be, want to be calling heroic combats yes. to make him go first. Yep, absolutely. So that, that's good. That's a free point of might there. Evil victory, the first heroic action that Azog uses does not reduce his store of might. That's these ones actually seem pretty good. Now yep. it says the first one, isn't it? It's not first one per turn, or just first no, just one? the first heroic action. So it's basically a extra, an extra point of might. Yes, that's that's good. Which you don't you don't turn your nose up at. No, 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 it's it's solid. Last one for the appendix: the Oaken Shield. If you score a good victory, Thorin, Balin, Dwalin, all gain the most audacious fellow award. So they all regen d six. Yes. Points of stat. And an evil victory, Thorin Oakenshield may not gain the Oakenshield for the remainder of the campaign. Yeah, no Oakenshield for the campaign. Assuming you have an auto lost, we come on to the scenarios 1 through to 7, which are found in the main rulebook. Yep, absolutely. So we fast forward to our main rulebook. Here we go. Deploy main rulebook. Scenario 1, Roast Mutton. So this is the, the trolls one. Yes, so it's a whole bunch of dwarves. Fighting a couple of trolls. You've got a hobbit in there somewhere. Heavily favoured in good side. Yes. So if good managed to pull off the win, of course, most of your dwarves are starting fresh. In the chase, Gandalf may call a single heroic march for free. Yep, not bad. Free point of might. Yeah. And in the chase, you are marching a fair bit. Oh, uh, chase, you're marching so much. Evil victory. In the chase, the evil models may deploy within three inches of their respective board edges rather than touching them. So it's a free half a move. Yeah. So a free march, in effect. So, wait a second. In the chase... The chase. What does it actually say? In the chase, evil models may deploy within three inches of their respective board edges rather than in base contact with okay, them. Okay, so, yeah, so it's not when you get the reinforcements. Because this is no. the one where you've got to go take down Radagast on the sleigh early on. Yes. That does help because it means you can get a shot one turn earlier. Mm-hmm. So, that, that's not too bad. Not a huge movement there. Not huge, but again, it's, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, little things. It's worth fighting for. Yeah, absolutely. The chase. Good victory. In the next scenario, all good models automatically receive all of their might, will, and fate back. Yep. That's nice. Because it means you get to Rivendell earlier, so you get to, you know, Oh, that's fantastic. That, that is so good. Draw no advantage. Evil. Before the next scenario, no good model may receive the most audacious fellow special rule. Because they're too busy going, Oh, what on earth were you doing back there? Yeah, the chase is a good one because you end up using a bucket load of might in the chase. You, you have to keep using yes. them. So you really so want, you that, want that win. You really want that win because then you get all your stats back. So that that becomes a big one. Now, I, I straight out, we're going to keep moving through these. We'll keep the pace up. But I would warn people, play through the scenarios first before you yes. get the campaign get going. Get a feel for them. Because like, we, we're actually pretty good at the chase. But the first time we played it, we would have been very bad at it. So it would have been potentially an easy win to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. The capture. Which one was this? This is the one where you've got a very small amount of Moria goblins going at the... Moria? No, Mori, I'm sorry. Goblin Town Goblins at the, the company. Okay. It's the first of the three inside Goblin Town. Right, right, right. Okay, good victory. Good player may choose D3 Dwarves who begin the next scenario with their weapons. Yep, yep. So that's useful. Yes. Uh, evil player gets plus one to the number of reinforcements available through the Kill Them All special rule, which oh, would depend on what the Kill Them All special rule was. Uh, basically, you, you get to bring back goblins so that that's actually really powerful they're okay. both really powerful so extra goblins because the next one you start with with the company all without weapons they have to go fish them out yes so this way if you get some that have weapons they can start holding off the goblin king yep. and that's yep. the one where the goblin king like 
um, steps down on turn two or whatever because he gets over his outrage. Like, yeah. yeah. We've gone through most of these in the Green Dragon episodes, I'm pretty yep. sure, before. And this one, we, we, we actually made some tweaks to these scenarios times. Okay. So this one, they might start with less stats or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. So scenario four, the flight to freedom. Yep. So this one, we're basically legging it. You grab your weapons, you leg it before yep. the Goblin King kills yep. you. Pick up your weapons and run from the yep. Goblin King. Good victory. In the next scenario, the good models may be placed within six inches of their starting board rather than three. Just a little bit of extra move. Oh, it, good when you, when you just have to run across yep. the board. Evil victory. The evil player adds plus one to their reinforcement scan. So more goblins. Yeah. These, these are actually really big changes because the, the next one where you have to take the dwarves from one side of the board to the other uh, basically often came down to one move. Yes. So to get the one move advantage. Yeah, the advantage, extra half move, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that's actually really big. This is also big. the one where if you get enough goblins, you collapse the platform. Yeah, this is the jump on so the platform. So the extra one. goblins could, you yeah. know. Yeah, oh, massively. Okay. Breakout. Good victory. In the next scenario, which is out of the frying pan, but in the next scenario, the good models may be placed within 12 inches of their starting board instead of six. So again, extra yep. move. Evil victory. Instead of rolling a D6 to say how many file wags and hunter orcs begin in play, the result is always a six. Nice, that's so good. So you start with your full complement of, you know. And you're getting them back anyway, but it means you've got enough to put some pressure on early on. Okay. And there's one more, isn't there? Out of the frying pan. Thorin, if you win this one, begins the next scenario with all of his stats back. If, however, you lose in the next scenario, the evil player places his models within three of the board edge rather than touching it. Mm-hmm. So what are we up to now? Was that the last? That was the last of the ones from the main book. Yep, so we've moved on to there and back again, have we? Yes, the road goes on. The road goes on. Into the fire. Into the fire was... It's the one just before fi- spiders and flies. Into the fire was the one where Thorin's fighting against... Basically Thorin and Bilbo on the ground with a bunch of eagles fighting the wargs. Okay, that one, sure. Okay, into the fire. Good victory. The good player may start within three inches of any board edge once you're playing spiders and flies part one. If the evil player wins, however, he gets plus one to his courage test to control his own Moifgood spiders. That's good. Because... Plus one to the courage test is massive. Yes, especially since Moifgood spiders aren't that great at passing no. their courage tests. No, they're all over the place. That's really good. That's really good. So, playing spiders and flies. If the good player manages to pull it off, then dwarves only suffer the effects of the poison sickness on the roll of one over two in part two, because yep. they're not as badly poisoned. Yeah. If the evil player wins, the evil player may automatically return slain Mirkwood spiders without needing to roll for them. Now, David, what happens if our models, our dwarves, for example, play in a scenario and then take a break for a couple scenarios and come back? What happens with their might, will, of fate? Any model that survives a battle can regen their stats. So you have to be part of the battle to survive a battle. Okay, so you've got to keep track of them because some of these ones now are peering back because we lost them for a while. Bilbo was in the first spy- Flies and Spiders by himself. So all the dwarves took at least one so game off. that's a chance t- to put a most audacious fellow on Bilbo. Yeah, well, he, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But it's also a chance for the other guy to try and make him more of a ghost than a burglar. But so you plan around that so you probably wouldn't put audacious fellow on Bilbo in the scenario beforehand. No, because you knew you had this scenario to regen him. Yeah, very interesting. As long so as you can roll high on your D6. Yeah, you'd hope so. Uh, at least one. Yeah. So it adds an entire new, you know, layer of strategy. Okay, so for Spies and Flies Part 2, the Elves of Mirkwood. If the good player can win, the dwarves add an extra inch to the movement of their bobbing along special rule. So their barrels the barrel, go oh, even faster. That's good. That's good. 
If the evil player wins, they may add one to any jump or climb test when one of their models tries to get onto a barrel. One to any jump or climb... That's... That test. is so yes. good. So you can't fail a let's jump onto a barrel test. The amount of models I've lost on those Into jump, the river. Like, ah! That, that's, you want to be winning that. Unfortunately, yes. it's really hard to win that with the spiders. But yes. but if you won the one before, you don't have to roll for your spiders to come back. Yeah, this these are good, good changes. Barrels out of bond, part one. Open the gate! Open the gate. If the dwarves manage to win this one, they may add one inch to their movement on their barrels because they're yep. moving even faster. Yep, 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 yep. So- sounds good. Evil. The evil player may automatically return slain hunter orcs without needing to roll for them when you play the next mission. Yeah, that's solid. So barrels out of bond, part two, down the forest river. The good player may re-roll the first one that Killy rolls for his Morgul Sickness special rule in the Assassin's of the Night scenario. Run me through. What's this Morgul Sickness? Has he been stabbed by a Morgul arrow? Yes, of course it is. Okay, so... First time he rolls a one, he gets to re-roll that. Very nice. The evil player automatically gets priority on the first turn in the Assassins in the Night, which shows up a while later. Next up, we have a sort of non-sequential. It's just thrown in for the mix. The Capture of the Grey Wizard. Yeah, so we're starting to get get them out of order, jumping all over the place, but we still get the bonuses. Yes, so we still get the bonuses. If the good player wins the Capture of the Grey Wizard... Then yep. Radagast may charge on the turn he arrives when you play the Fall of the Necromancer. Oh, that's big. Especially since he's got his slay with him. Oh, yes. You can slay many models with that yes. one. If the evil player wins, however, then the evil player has priority on the first turn, which means you get to charge a paralyzed Gandalf without other people, you know, Nasty. Nasty. That's good. Okay. Next up. Also choosing the order of combats and things like that. It's really important that you get with mm-hmm. priority. I don't think you had all that many models in combat in the first no, turn. No, no. Still, it's nice. Yep. Assassins in the Night. The good player wins this one. They may fully recover Killy to his starting stats for the next mission he participates in. The evil player wins, then you get no Audacious Fellows. Because, you know, they got jumped yeah, by Assassins. Yeah, so you've got, you got a super powerful Audacious Fellow on Killy there. So that's... And once again, another and layer And then you strategy. could give Audacious to somebody else and you could refresh yep, kill them. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah. Thinking your way through this, I like it. Mm-hmm. The Lake Town Chase. Yep. If the good player wins... Bard may start in any of the towers in Fire and Water, which this is the one where you got to get Bard to Bane yes. when you're playing Fire and Water, Massive. I believe. So that's nice. If the evil player wins, they will have priority on the first turn of Fire and Water. Ooh, okay. Which Not brings bad. us to Fire and Water. Remember, if you lost the first scenario, Smug's down to 15 wounds. That was a while ago, uh, but yeah, try and remember. I do remember that a while ago. So you might have a 15-wound Smug and Bard deployed ready to shoot, or you might not. Yes. If the good player can slay Smaug, Bard and one other character may both be awarded the most audacious fellow. The audacious fellow, we, did we, say, we said that the evil gets an audacious fellow as well, did we? Or is it just um, the good models? Let's double check that again. Let's double check this. Yeah. With the linking your games, it's only ever specifically referring to Thorin's company, but it also says these are a guideline only. Yeah. So you could quite easily say somebody like Azog needs to test for this, or the Keeper of the Dungeons needs to test for this. 
But at the same time, because this is the original rule book, so you didn't have all that many scenarios in there. And like, there weren't all that many evil models that you recycled. Like the Goblin Kings, really the only one that springs to mind. I think, did Nazag show up in a few of them? Uh, there were some of the, the hunters that showed up a few times, yes. But yeah. So, yeah, by all means, I would say we'd apply that to them as well. Yeah, you could also do things like give them plus one to it or something like that if you wanted to because it, mm-hmm. it could make it a boring game. But because the good side is potentially losing heroes, it's probably not a bad idea to have some threat to the evil side as well. Indeed. I guess, yeah, it's a case of long as you don't kill Azog too early because that would be kind of dull. That's a sort of a... Are you that would be win? you'd replace him with Bolg. Oh, yeah, that works. And you could also do something like, if, if someone like Nazog died, you could replace him with a generic captain. Yes. You'd say, you know, the captain is dead. Hey, you, you're He's promoted. He's a hunter orc with bow. You, yep. you no longer get Nazog special rule. Something like that might work. Yeah. I still think that would be cool. If you kill Azog, Bolg steps up. Keeper of Dungeons fills in for Bolg. Yeah, I can see that. I can captain see that. I like, I like your thoughts there, David. That's good. Okay. Moving on. After Fire and Water, Fall of the Necromancer. If the good player can defeat the Necromancer, then Gandalf gets all of his stats back. If they cannot defeat the Necromancer, then Gandalf does not recover any stats at all. Yeah. All about Gandalf. Yep, next one. The Iron Hills arrive. Okay, so now we're getting the five armies. Okay. If you can win this one, Dane may expend a single point of might each turn without reducing his store in the cloud bursts. Wow. Mighty Dane. Wow. Try and win this one. Yes. If, however, the elves win, then Thunderall may expend a single point of might each turn without reducing his store. Now, look at this one. This is funny because this is the one that's good versus good. Yes. So, suddenly you get a benefit to the good side either way, except for the draw. If you manage to draw the snow, the elves must deploy, touching the western board edge in the cloud burst scenario. To the cloud burst scenario, we've got to see what sort of detriment this would provide. So this is one of the ones where potentially, as an evil player, you might You're fighting for the draw. Potentially, let's have a look. Yeah, this is the one where the dwarves deploy in the very middle of the board. The elves deploy within six inches to one side. The dwarves aren't allowed to take a step backwards. So yes. the elves have to run up to the dwarves to support them, and this is putting the elves an entire turn behind. Ah, gotcha. So whatever you do, do not draw elves versus dwarves. So as an evil player, you're fighting for the draw in a campaign, which adds very interesting dynamics to it. Yes. you gotta you got to balance that one pretty closely. Yeah, that's clever. Okay, so the cloud bursts. If For a good victory, the good player only has to kill 25 models when the chariots charge. Oh, really they've 25, they've yeah. already impressed the orcs with how tough they fair are. Fair enough, so. fair enough. If, however, the evil player wins, then in the chariots charge scenario, the evil player may also bring on their reinforcements from the northern southern board edges. Because you are now surrounded. Yeah, you got a lot more, lot more potential there to get surroundings. That's good. Yep. So in the chariots charge, if your chariots manage to charge, the good player may set up everything except the Iron Hills chariots within eighteen inches of the western board edge in the next scenario. Yep. So you got your support nicely. Yep. In for an evil victory in Unleash the War Beasts, the evil player may also bring on their reinforcements again from the other board edges. Yep. So you're surrounded once more. So, once again, small bonus, but enough for the flexibility and surrounding is pretty mm. good. You can potentially get some traps off. Oh, yeah. Again, it's it's enough that you'll want to fight for that. Unleash the war beasts. Good victory. Thorin may call a single free heroic march in the next in the next to the king. So, it's a free point of might. You have yep. to use it to march. 
evil victory, evil player may call a free, <laughs> a free heroic march. Yeah. Either way, not bad. The breakthrough. Bard. If you win this one, may call a free heroic march in the battle in the streets scenario. So they're handing out plenty of free marches. Yes, lots of free marches. Keep moving. Evil, in the Battle of the Street scenario, the evil player may also bring on their reinforcements from the other board edges uh, within their half of the board. So you can sort of like sneak further mm. up and sort of steal the flanks. The Battle in the Streets. If you win this one, Bard is deployed within three inches of the west of board edges instead of touching it in the something worth fighting for. So it's the extra half move. Yeah. Evil side, your ogre deploys within three inches instead of touching it. Yeah, so you've got an extra for. half move again. Yeah, that's good. Which brings us to something worth fighting for. This is the one with like Bard, Sigrid, Tilda. I think that was it for the good side. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one against the ogre, isn't it? Yeah, and against and the, the ogre's yeah. pretty much the time limit. When yes. the ogre gets you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you manage to win this one, Bard gets all his stats back. Because he's like, yeah. Evil victory, no good models may receive the most audacious fellow bonus. Wow, nasty. Now, what this but tells you... You've only got three heroes, and two of them don't really need the stats, so... Yeah, no, that, that's that's right. But this tells us, you know you talked about the audacious fellow with referring to Thorin's company? Yes. Now we're getting it in models that are not in Thorin's company. Yes. So that's, I'm leaning towards use it for heroes, full stop. Yes. The ultimate price for a good victory in this scenario... The good player may bring their reinforcements in on turn three rather than turn mm-hmm. four in the people fight back scenario. For an evil victory, your reinforcements show up on turn five rather than turn four. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the people fight back. So there's been a number of things that are affecting this one. So your reinforcements are showing up. You've got yeah. free marches. There's all that sort of stuff happening. Yeah, you're getting lots of bonuses yeah. on this one. So... If the good player wins, Bilbo and one other character may both get the Audacious Fellow Award. So you, you can yes. happily burn through Bilbo's stats in this one if you're planning on winning. Maybe However, winning. if you do not plan on winning, Bilbo may not recover any stats before he shows up That's at the Clash really of Heroes. That's really big, isn't it? Yeah. So if it's going bad, hold your stats. If you yep. think you got it, go for it. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yes. 26. To the king. To the king. The chariot may deploy, if you win this one, within three inches of the eastern board edge when you chase along the frozen river. So you start with an extra yeah. extra boost. Yeah, you got some speed. Evil victory. The Gandabad troll may arrive on turn one. <laughs> so yeah. t- it's taken, a li- taken them a little longer to get their chariot in order and yeah. there's a troll hard on their heels. Yeah, that could be fun. Okay. 27. The chase along the frozen river. If you win this one... Thorin may call a single free heroic march in the ride to victory scenario. If the evil player wins, no good models get the audacious fellow. <laughs> Sometimes those no good models get audacious fellow could be really nasty. Other yes. times, like it if depends you could... how well you roll D3s and D6s. That's the thing. Like Sometimes it could be absolutely. Like nothing. I roll a 1 on the D6, I roll uh, a 3 on the D3. Yeah. yeah, no big deal. Yep. Ride to victory. Good player wins. Additional good model may be given the audacious fellow bonus. Yep. Evil player wins. No good model may move on turn one of the ambushed Ravenhill. Ooh. So this is, they've been ambushed good and proper. Because yeah. the goblins yeah. can charge turn one and yeah. you can pick a Scary. hero and just pin them. Yes. Ambush at Ravenhill. The good player wins. In addition to awarding a most audacious fellow special, Thorin is also restored to his starting might, will, and fate and wounds. See, so he gets are, all his stats back. These are big bonuses suddenly. Because Thorin's about to show up at a clash of heroes. He wants his stats. Oh, you need them for that. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that, that 
some of these are leading up to a clash of heroes. It's going to be massive. Yes. Evil victory. Neither Killy or Philly recover any of their stats. Oh, no. As per the movie. The last stand of the company. If the good player wins this one, then the first heroic action that Thorin calls does not reduce his might in yep. the Clash of Heroes. So even if he even if you lost the last one, so he doesn't have too much might, you can still get one here. So we're starting to get stacked results of the Clash of Heroes as well, aren't we? Yes, we're, we're leading up to that one. Yep. Draw no advantage. Evil, the first heroic action that Azog calls does not reduce his might in the Clash of Heroes. That's massive. That's huge. Uh-huh. Bayorn's Fury. Good victory. Legolas may call a free heroic march in Clash of Heroes. He starts off like on his lonesome in the corner, so yeah, he will be good. marching. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because the march as well, you could go half speed and still take a shot yes. if you wanted to. Okay. And evil victory. The evil player may take up to six additional Gundabad Orc Warriors for the Clash of Heroes. So that, I think, doubles the amount of Gundabad Orc Warriors I you like have. the up to. Like, as if you're you, not, don't, you don't have to. If you want to, yeah. Take up to six. Like, you might not need them. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. Because that's once you get to the last scenario, there's no there's no benefits. You either win no, or lose. No, it's win or lose. And that turns it into being a campaign. Uh, look, the question is, how do we win this campaign? Like, do we win that last, last scenario? Last game, last game, straight up. Okay. Because all these bonuses are piling up to it, and all these stats you've spent apart. Like, Thorin's gone from almost the whole campaign. He first turned up in the, the prequel ones. Yes. And when you, it's, it specifies, when you swap from young Thorin to middle Thorin to old Thorin, uh, any stats spent are translated across. Yeah, so so potentially Thorin's in most of it across. It's his story. It's partly partly mm-hmm. that Bilbo's in quite a few. These these models are turning up at the end and then really make a difference. And then getting eaten by Azog and Bolg. Yeah, assuming that they show up. Yeah, which are right at the start as well. Yeah. So it becomes a real stat management type campaign. I'm really looking forward to playing through this. I don't like if it has the potential to be really swingy, yeah. but I think it could be potentially fun. And I think the bragging rights would be massive, wouldn't it? To be able to get through a campaign like this and survive it would be huge. Mm-hmm. So I think we should definitely do it. Oh yes, yeah. So I, I like I like this idea. I love that it's written in. I think that most people wouldn't use this because I think well, to it's be able to get a lot of models. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of time. Yeah, and we've spent a lot of time talking about it, but I think it's worth talking about because. We don't have a lot of campaign systems in our in our game, so scouring of the Shire. I, there was a few of them, but this one is is definitely the most epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's big, and I would love like the Lord of the Rings had a similar one, but it was basically just Lord of the Rings on hard mode. Yes, because your company got destroyed. Yeah, could you imagine like if we got a a Lord of the Rings movie version like this with the there and back again, where we got the campaign, where we got just the movie scenes? I think it'd be fantastic. So, yeah. Now, David, while I've got you on, thoughts about this book? What do you, what do you think? I like it. It's there's some new stuff. There's some new models. There's some new scenarios. It's yeah. I tell you, I like it. You are the like we we didn't get a banner for Dale, which that's clearly yeah, negative. Yeah, clearly negative. Gotcha. They they took Bayon's bow off him. Oh yeah, Again, clearly negative. Clearly negative. Uh, yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone uses bow. No, but. It was the option, like it was choice. You yep, yep. But as I said, there's there's some good positives in here. We've got you know, we've got new trolls, we've got new heroes. <laughs> you are the biggest understatement king of this. It's amazing. Oh look, I, I'm a I'm a massive fan of this book, and we talked about it. We talked about Kylie as well. It's it's I, I honestly could they have done a better job? Maybe very very slight tweaks here and there. Maybe when we play through the campaign and see what what things are balanced and what aren't, there'll be some things we want to change. But 
what a dream to have all this this ready to go. So good. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait for all the models to come out in the same quality as these four-jawed ones because that's going to be so good. Oh, and one other thing. The White Council special rule. It now only works if you're entirely White Council. Oh, They're of okay. one purpose. Yes. That's, I think, the other change I noticed. Yep. Never mind. Yep. Now, what we're going to do, this is part four of our coverage. We have one more part. In part five, everyone's going to get together and we're going to talk about the actual army list. That's everyone? The, well, we're going to get as many people as we can. Well, mostly everyone. Got it. We're going to get the the maximum amount of Green Dragon participants as we can. Hopefully, it's more than just me. And we're going to go through the army list. We're going to remind you of some of the changes but we're also going to make some army lists and, and have a look at what we can do with it because there's some real good options there of what we can do. A full mustering or... I really want to use a signal tower. Can you? Can I be the signal tower army? Okay, full mustering. Yeah, I think a full mustering. I think I think that's worth an episode on its own. So we've got through all the book except the special rules for army lists. We haven't actually mentioned those. We probably missed a profile or two because we talked about all the profiles that belong to the scenarios. Uh, I don't think so. I think we got them all, but we may have missed one. If we have, don't worry. We are definitely covering it in our fifth and final part of our There and Back Again impressions. Thank you so much for listening. And for, for now, Traps Win Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.